What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Gloves Off Podcast with James McSweeney and Evil Eddie. We got James up in. It looks like he's ready for the zombie apocalypse. He's got like antlers. He's in a log cabin. He's all jacked up, and he's with some of the badass people that. Well, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes here. But if there was anyone in the world I wish I was with right now, it would be you right now, James. And uh, who, who who are you with right now? Let's just give it to our listeners because they they love it. Um, no, I'm, I'm fortunate, of course, with COVID-19, everyone's in, in um, social distancing and so forth. But of course, where we are right now in some parts of America, it's been not lifted, but it's been changed a little bit. Like you can travel a little bit more freely now and you can have more people around to your home, uh, up to 10 people and so forth. And of course, everyone knows the UFC is going ahead with some of their events. So um, Alistair is a good friend of mine uh, over him, of course. And um, I've come out to Denver, Colorado to help him with some training and some sparring before he's up and coming about so we're um denver's about five thousand feet above sea level normally but we're standing up in the mountains we're at about eleven thousand feet right now so uh, we're right up in the middle of nothing at the moment in high altitude so i had to do um online training today for my my gym you know we're doing online training and it was a metabolic conditioning workout and of course uh, we go down to five thousand to train and spa but we come back up here to sleep and stay most of the day and about, i had to do the training session in eleven thousand feet above sea level and it kicked my ass it really did so uh tonight i just finished my food and i'm suffering a little bit but um i'm okay last time i think that you were there you were saying I, you couldn't even like make it up the stairs like you left alistair and then you're going upstairs and you're just like wow this is a lot different, and I feel like there's a lot of listeners out there that don't understand how different it is up there. What is it like for uh, between Texas and Colorado from what you've seen now that we're going through this uh, virus? Like, well, with, with that stuff, I mean, Colorado has a little bit different. I mean, it seems to be here in Colorado that the people of, of course, everyone across America is having their own views and feel that in a certain way. And you've got to be quite diplomatic because, of course, many people have died and it's very sad and it's very poor. And, of course, we feel for everybody, which is the obvious, right? But, of course, there are a lot of people that are now being told, like, two weeks, another two weeks, another two weeks, and the extensions keep going on and on and on. And what's happening is, and, of course, people are very sympathetic with people that have lost ones or people that have been sick. But of course, on the flip side of that, there is businesses that are closing down. There is people that are falling to depression. They can't feed their families. Financially, they can't survive. And they're concerned about moving forward. So it just appears that here in Denver that the general public seem to be a lot more active than in Dallas. And they seem to be like, there's a lot more open businesses, if you like. Like More restaurants seem to be open for fast, like takeaway food. There seems to be more other stores open, like gas stations are way more open. In there Colorado? People out here in Denver. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The looks have changed, but it just seems to be the general public of like, they've just had enough and said, you know what, well, everyone else is open, so stuff it. We're going to do it. You know, you can't please it all. And it just seems to be that's what's kind of happened, in my opinion. There's a lot of people that may say no, but compared to coming from where I've just come from in Plano to here in, in Denver, Colorado, it, it seems to be much more busy and active. Because from what I'm hearing on my end, and I'm here in New Haven, Connecticut, um, my mother actually works at the hospital. We've talked about it on the show. And it's, uh, you know, I, I have friends that live in Texas. And from the headlines I'm seeing, it seems like Texas is kind of reopening uh, more than other states, but well, from what you're saying, it seems the opposite. 
Well, I don't know about other states because there are some states that are completely on lockdown. That's for sure. Like, you know, cities like New York and, and this and Michigan is completely shut down. Las Vegas is completely shut down. So there's not, like, I'm not putting the United States in one bracket. But yeah, the compilation between the two. Um, Texas now just got put into phase one. Originally, phase one was going to be uh, gyms. Um, res- um, gyms and, and retail units were going to be allowed to open um, and wasn't too, I think now salons were allowed to be open and stuff like that but there were uh, restaurants and bars definitely not until phase two now that, that just happened and changed they just changed it and took gyms out of phase one all the rest, could, like you can go to the movie theatre you can go to a restaurant you can go to um, all these other things. Like you can go to Lowe's and you can go to, you know, Walmart and all the rest of it. But yet you can, but you can't go to a gym. You know, you can sit next to someone in a in a, in a stinky uh, cinema yeah. that is cloth material, can't be sterilely cleaned, and you can sit in a movie theater where people are coughing and <laughs> putting their hands on the on the chairs and whatever, which could be a contamination. They're allowed to be open, but gyms that are cleaned every day on sterile mats and bags and are not allowed to be open. So it seems kind of weird what's going on. Um, I mean, I just got on a plane and flew from Dallas all the way to Denver. They said to us at the airport there would be one space between all of us, and it wasn't. The whole plane was packed. Um, they weren't enforcing. My, uh, no one had mouth guards on. No one had, had gloves, sanitary gloves, um, nothing. The whole plane was just packed. And, of course, people were getting a little bit frustrated with other people being so close. So it just seemed to be that um, it's really strange that I can go on a plane, sit next to a complete stranger who's, you know, I'm a big guy on a plane, who's <laughs> rubbing my arm or, you know, he's on my arm or keep my hands on his hand rest and his hands on my hand rest and touching the computer screen to watch shows yeah. and coughing on planes in a certain of air where we know already that flus and, and stuff gets circulated on a plane, right? You can't even fart on a plane. On a plane yeah. you can't, but you can't go to a gym and boost your immune system. So it just seems to be very, I don't understand the method of thinking right now. But hey, we could be into that all day. That's a separate show, right? We could go on to conspiracy theories all day. Everyone's got an opinion right now. Um, I just think it's, I just want everyone to stay healthy and I want everyone to get back to normal as soon as possible. Right now, there's no uh, UFC fights going on, but there's rat fights going on in the studio here. I don't know if you guys can hear it right now, but there's literally rat fights going on. But, um, you know, I think it's important for us to talk about that, James, because you in Texas, me in uh, Connecticut, and you traveling, it's interesting to hear what's going on because a lot of people are, are, are stuck inside and you can go crazy. And with you owning a gym, I, I really want to know, like, how you're going about, uh, you know, going on with what you're supposed to be doing day in and day out. And I've seen that you've been going live a lot in McSweeney Martial Arts. So I, wa- I want to kind of spread the word for people to tune into that because I think that's important to do. It's healthy. Yeah. With the fact of we haven't lost any members from my facility, we've kept communication with everybody. I mean, I've been calling everyone as much as I can. We've mass sent out mass emails. We put um, I put a striking system, beginner one online for free, so people could watch through my striking system. We posted a, a load of content on Facebook and Instagram and our email and our website and so forth that people can keep up to date. But yeah, I've been doing Instagram and Facebook Live um, classes every evening. For everybody, uh, of course, for free, just to, I mean, you know, just to provide a service and make sure that everyone's staying healthy because, uh, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer in eating clean, staying healthy, and, and that a part of that balance is training. 
um, you know, you can't outwork a bad diet and you can't eat clean enough and you should go to the gym. So for, to boost an immune system, if the gym is not available to go to, you still need a workout. But what I'm getting frustrated with is that um, all of a sudden now online, everybody's a coach all of a sudden. You know, <laughs> three months ago, these, guys, uh, these were guys with nothing about training. They were hanging out in bars, doing shots and eating junk food and now all of a sudden everyone's an online coach and everyone has a, a, a new strategy of training but you know the, the most frustrating thing to see is that if you think about this is that people are putting these workouts out there it's like a competition who could get the hardest workout who's got the best this and the hardest got to work the hardest but right now is not a time you should be working hard right because when you really work hard what do you do low immune system what do you do if you're training at home and you throw like I see people like limited with equipment, right? Or no equipment. Rather than doing body weight workouts, they're doing things like picking up the dog, picking up the girlfriend, picking up the couch. So what you want to really do, right, is go out there, pick up your couch, tear a hamstring or throw your back out. Guess where you're going? Hospital. Guess where you don't just want to go right oh, now? Yeah. Hospital. They've got a lot of things on their hands right now in hospitals. Their hands are fully fully loaded they got a ton of things on their plate which is serious of COVID-19 and you want to go in there and say you threw your back out so do the idiotic workout online by someone who knew nothing about the the, the, the athletic business in the first place you know just because you want to try and get a few more followers by doing an idiotic workout yeah. so for myself who's been in the industry for all my life I see these workouts and I see the dangers and I see you know the body shapes of the people that teaching these workouts knowing full well you don't know what you're talking about otherwise you wouldn't have the body shape that way um looking at their previous posts like six months ago to now had nothing to do with training whatsoever <laughs> one year back with mm. training but in the last six weeks all of a sudden now they're a certified fitness enthusiast and, and personal training coach and now they're trying to earn money off people online by doing training so it just seems to be like absolutely ludicrous. And the weirdest part about it is those kind of people, they get the money from it instead of people that actually deserve it and know a couple of things about it. So you know yourself, you know, the fact of the matter is if you're someone at home, let's say you didn't have a gym membership before, right? Yeah. So you're you just had a normal you did a normal a normal job. You worked in an office, you did great your job, you run a nice family, but of course now you can't work. So you're at home. So you say to yourself, Okay, listen, I wanna stay healthy. I wanna make some changes in my life. I'm gonna eat healthy, I'm gonna train a little bit online, I'm gonna research and find someone to train with. So what's the first research? Facebook, Instagram and all these other things, right? So then of course they find they stumble across somebody. Now this is someone who has never done anything in their life right so they have no knowledge so they look for somebody who can give them some knowledge and then they find you know roly-poly over there who hadn't done anything his whole life but now he's an online coach because of COVID-19 he's he's feeling all the right stuff but then again he's talking to someone who knows it's absolutely nothing so James so, we all start so somewhere have you have you had situations like that before where you've been places and you're like this guy doesn't know early in your career as a as a kid have you ever been in that situation we all start somewhere you know i've seen a million and one people that have claimed to know about the fight game or, or martial arts if you like or whatever and then you see them and you're like wow come on the guy the guy come to my gym before we were shut down for COVID 19 he walked in with a little bit of an attitude to one of my one of my staff it was an older guy and he pronounced that he was a golden gloves boxing champion and this and that and, and my, my staff come to me 
Yeah, and my staff come to me and said, uh, James, this guy wants to see you about training his sons, but he's very rude. He's been very rude to me. And I said, okay. So I spoke to him. He waited to see me. He waited outside my gym for an hour. I turned up and he, he come to speak to me. And I could see his arrogance. Like he was very rude. He was telling me that his sons are the most best things in the world. They're going to be the next UFC champions, both of them. One's a gymnast. One was a taekwondo. But he's a boxing coach. He won the Golden Gloves 20 years ago. He trained them both. These guys are killers. And that was his exact words. And I said, okay. And he said, I said, what do you need me for? I want you to train them and get them fights. So I'm not a manager. Um, you know, and he said, well, the only condition I let them come to your gym is that if I still train them as well. And I said, well, what's, what's my role? And uh, he said, well, your role is to train them and get them into MMA. My role is to be around the boxing side. I said, listen, to be honest, just bring them down. Like, I need to see them. I can't, you know, I, need, I can't, you know. Well, they're meant to show up the following day. They didn't, they didn't show up. He got in contact with us again. They finally showed up. They were an hour and a half late. These guys walked in. They had boxing gloves from Walmart. And he had a pair of pads that had never been used before. Real killers. So he said to me, so he said to me, hold pads for them. I said, no, no, no. You want to be the boxing coach, right? I said, uh, this is not for me to be um, tested. This is for them and you to be tested. Uh, you hold pads for them. Well, I, when it started, I actually thought I was being filmed. I thought it was a joke. These guys had done absolutely nothing before. And the information that he was giving them was absolutely terrible. He never held pads in his life. And he never won Golden Gloves boxing, I'm sure, because he knew nothing about what he was talking about. I had to be as most diplomatic as I could. He was very arrogant, but his two sons were actually very polite. Oh, so they uh, pulled yeah. him off. Yeah, he was trying to live his dream for his sons and bully them into doing something, you know. When I actually spoke to them privately before they left my gym, I said to them, Look, you have to, you have to come here and train. I'm not going to sponsor you. Uh, if you want to come and train in my gym, I'll help you out, pay membership, and we can talk about the future when it starts to happen. But I've got to see some progress. I want to see how you learn. I want to see how, how coachable you are. I told the father that he couldn't be allowed in the coaching side of it because I kind of exposed him a little bit to him not knowing what he knew. I did it politely, but before they left, I, I pulled him to one side and I said, guys, look, I don't know if this is your dream or your father's dream, but please do me a favor. I don't know where you go after today, whether you come back to me or you go another direction. I don't mind. But if you go another direction, please don't go and fight. Please don't do it. I said, you need a good year of training and correction before you even thought about putting a pair of gloves on or stepping into a ring or a cage. I said, you're just not prepared for that environment. And being not prepared for that environment is very traumatic to your health. I said, I'd hate to see something happen to you guys. I said, do not be bullied into it. And they, they, they appreciated what I said. They knew what I was saying. They read between the lines, and they shook my hand, and they even messaged me after thanking me. And I never heard of him again. Oh, wow. But uh, you get this kind of stuff, right? So you got to be a little bit... I couldn't be... I had to be diplomatic because I don't want to be seen as like that, a rude person or something. But it wasn't their dream. It was the father being a pushy father. And, you know, they were two young lads, and it was just very... You get that a lot, right? You I stepped in. Saying, but they... You, you stepped in as like the Monty Cox of the situation where you're like, you don't want to jump into fighting as a pro. Like that is, it's, you know what I mean? You want to take your time. And I feel like there's a lot of coaches that I've talked to, a lot of people that have owned gyms and people just walk in. They want to look for a fight within a week or two. And it's just, it's not realistic. Even if they were very, very accomplished fighters, I still wouldn't allow that because if someone comes to my gym and wants to get into the fight world, 
I want them, when they go out to fight, I want to be able to improve what, the, what they came to my gym with. And I want people to see when they fight, they recognize how much they've improved. I want to see, they recognize my style that's embedded for them as well now. So that takes a period of time. And also, to get the right fight takes a period of time. People must grow. You can't just chuck up a beginner into a, a fight with an opponent who's had multiple fights. You, they must grow. And they've got to grow in confidence. They've got to grow in preparation. The whole thing comes into play, right? And that's, where, that's what it takes to nurture a, a, a fire and, and build them up, not just physically, but mentally and technically. And uh, a lot of people don't take that into play. So I, I think that's a perfect thing to uh, transition into. As we're talking about your gym, I want to talk about what's going on with a lot of fighters out there right now. Obviously, UFC 249 getting shut down. You know, Tony Habib, we're not going to see it for the fifth time that it's set up. So what do you think fighters are doing at home? Do you think it's like, well, what difference is it going to make when we see these fighters show up at a UFC event that they haven't been going to their gyms, they've been training one-on-one or what, what kind of uh, impact do you think that's making on a fighter, if any? It's going gonna, it's gonna to play one of two roles, right? There's going to be like, for example, there's going to be fight shows that are coming up. The UFC know they're coming up, so they've gave the fighter a heads up. And they've said, hey, this fight's coming up. Do you want it? We're not going to announce it just yet because it's a certain period of time. But we know we're going to get the green light in this state or this place if we play by these rules, right? Which is kind of what's happened right now, right? We've got two or three events coming up in May, back-to-back, week, week after week in like Jacksonville. So they were aware of that. The fighters were aware of that way before the public was. And that's what's going to happen in the future. So, um, yeah, they're going to be doing private one-to-ones or they're going to be going to the gym and working out with small groups. And the fact of the matter is that's in, that's in the law right now. You can do that in small groups of 10. So it shouldn't play that big a role. The only problem is, is that the role it could take a, a place is if a fighter steps in last minute because he thinks he's in shape by just training at home and then he steps in unprepared. Do you know what I mean? But uh, at that level, UFC level, you shouldn't really see that level of unprofessionalism or level of, you know, uneducation. So that shouldn't happen too much. So let's take today, for example, you, you your, your day. Uh, go, go through your day today compared to what it would be like without COVID-19. What was the difference between, you know, training with Curtis and, and, and uh, the Reem? Well, usually you would, you know, I mean, a normal training camp day would be like, you know, there's much more socializing involved, you know, before and after training. You'd go out to dinner together. Camaraderie, yeah. Stuff like that. Or when you got to the gym, you would have much more connection. It what appears to be happening right now, and this probably happening in most gyms, is that people are just showing up, doing their work, and leaving, and going about their business. You know, I mean, we're different up here because there's only two or three of us in a big, huge lock cabin. So we're we're fortunate we're not breaking any of the laws. We've got to be under ten people, and we all know each other. We know we've all been healthy, and everyone's been physically checked, medically, and everything else. And we're all good. So that's really what all you can do right now. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just it's just a different different transition. But I think as good fighters, they learn to adapt to the situation. And I mean, look at the Ultimate Fighter House, for example. When I went into that, we were in lockdown in the house right for six weeks. We had no phones, no outside socialization. We had no internet, no music, no books, no TV. We had That's nothing perfect. apart from each other. Exactly. And then we had to go to an arena, fight with no crowd, yeah. no audience, no music, walking out. So that was an adaption period. That was really strange. You know, it took a second to adapt to that. 
And that's what's going to happen with these other fighters right now. They're going to walk out to the arena that's completely empty. They're going to have, you know, at least they have the entrance music. At least they have their corner team. Uh, at least right now when you're at home, you have internet, you have your cell phone, you have the reading, you can watch TV, you have all this stuff. Yeah. Um, when we were not saying that we, you know, our, our house is worse than COVID-19, don't misread what I'm saying. <laughs> what I am saying is it's just the isolation point of view. Most yeah. fighters isolate themselves before fights anyway. They leave their family to go up to training camps. They isolate themselves for focus and this stuff. So it isn't that big a difference for a lot of training camps. And just remember, guys, we are talking about training camps, right? We're not talking about everyday life. Talking, you know, the question was training camps. Don't ever jump online and say, like, I'm comparing COVID-19 with normal life because I'm not. What I am saying is just the isolation differences. Um, the home of fire is, 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 is a huge selection. Everyone who's gone through that scenario has probably looked back and said, huh, well, I've had worse situations. People that have been locked up in jail have had worse situations. They're locked down at certain times. They've had small areas. They can confinement. This is confinement for sure, but it's not. I, I haven't called it lockdown. I haven't called it any of this stuff because for me, I'm still able to go to the grocery store. I'm still able to go to the park with my daughter. I'm still able to see my loved ones. I'm still able to use my phone if I wanted to. Um, internet, movies, TV, you know, all these things. So, and even now, I can fly across states. And if I wanted to go home to England right now, I could. Oh, really? Wow, wow. So, I, I think that's a perfect... Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, James, perfect transition because I don't know if you saw this yet today, but Dana White did an AMA on Reddit and actually said the Ultimate Fighter will be returning. And me and you have talked about this when it ended and, you know, how, how everybody's going to miss it and the whole uh, Fight Island talk. Um, so, there's two things that we got to talk about. Ultimate Fighter returning right now. So uh, this is from BJPenn.com. Let me just read the first paragraph. UFC President Dana White said during a Reddit AMA, Ask Me Anything, on Wednesday, the Ultimate Fighter reality television show will be returning soon. It was assumed by many that Ultimate Fighter was dead after the show flamed out in recent years with low television ratings and the little support from fans and media. How do you feel about that? Right now, I I feel like that would be big. People are are craving that, but... I think, I think it makes sense that it died off the way it did because it did kind of get a little bit old. I think it had its peak and I think it had its good times. And the problem with it was is that, that there were so many good seasons. Um, if you're looking at our season, for example, there was a lot of good people in that season. And there was a lot of times when you would compare one season to another. And when yeah. that starts to happen, it never lives up to the hype after that, right? So when the season goes up like this, it hits that peak. Every season after could never live up to the hype of the previous two, three, four, five, six seasons. And that's why I think the general public was starting to fade away. And then, of course, it got a little bit old hat, like the same old thing, the same old arguments, the same fight, almost to the point where people started to feel it was a setup or it wasn't real reality or whatever. But I think it's great time because it's now left a lot of speculation because of this fire island stuff. Is it going to be on the island? Is it going to be a reality show on the island? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? So it's perfect timing for distraction. It's perfect timing to keep the the, um, the audience guessing and everybody get a little bit excited, right? In a time like now when people are just sitting around like twitching their thumbs and there's no NFL, there's no baseball, there's no basketball, there's no boxing, there's nothing. People are sitting around like looking for anything to get excited about. And I think it's really great because what you've really done is you've gave people some excitement. 
And you've also gained them a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel in the fact of, look, we're prepared for the end of this. And by what that does subconsciously tells you that it's not going to last forever, right? Yeah, exactly. But the, but the thing about it is, James, um, we, we're dying to see any type of entertainment. And I, I sent you kind of the preview of this. Was it the right idea for Dana to not put on UFC 249? How, how would you deal with if it was your fighter heading to that? Would you think it was a safe thing to do if you were training Habib or Tony? At the end of the day, that fight was going to be a huge draw. Now, with that being said, if the people that got involved to try to stop it happen, they're very powerful people in the industry, right? In America. I mean, Walt Disney is not, you know, it's a very powerful production. Now, whoever got involved and they shut it down was for a certain reason. Now, we're never going to know the ins and outs of that because we're only going to hear what the publicist told Dana to say or whatever publicist is going to give us the right answer to say. I know one thing is that Dana would never be happy about that because one thing you can say about any promotion or any president of a company is usually, especially a powerful one that is used to working for themselves, and had such dominance in the sport, they don't like to be told what to do by anybody, right? So all of a sudden to be saying that now I can't do something that's really I want to do or I'm promoted to do it and then really have to go out there publicly and say, oh, I'm sorry guys, now I said it would happen, but now it's not gonna happen. That doesn't sit well with anyone, right? So that was a really tough pill for Dana to swallow. I think you can see that, which is I think why he's bounced back so fast and said, okay, I won't put that on. But now, next month, I'm doing this, 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 and this, and I'm not going to listen to anybody. So do you think it was the right idea for UFC to come back? Because, you know, here, here's the thing. I, I, I've been looking, and I know that you have, and I know that you've talked to a lot of fighters, but this is why i got to ask you this, because you're, you're going to totally agree with me. It doesn't matter if there's nobody in the arena. You can have 50,000 people in Japan in the arena. You can hear a pin drop. You know, it, it really doesn't make a difference. Uh, when when you're watching live, it doesn't make that big of a difference. Uh, go go watch the old Pride fights. You've been to a lot of um, events live, right? And and you see you feel the crowd when you're there, and that's fantastic. But do you actually get a good actual seat? Do you actually see the action? Usually not. I've always been to usually a live event. I'm actually watching the big screen above the live event. So that's usually what happens anyway. For the fighter's standpoint, if you said to a fighter, well, if you had a choice to be in an arena full of like 30,000 people or none, he would choose the 30,000 people, of course, of course, because the energy. But if you said, okay, it's 30,000 people or nothing, he's going to say, okay, I'll, I'll choose the nothing because, you know, you, you, we can't give you the audience. You're going to have a fight for nothing, no people there, or there's no fight at all. He's going to say, okay, I don't care. I get, to, I get to entertain millions of people around the world. He gets paid the same amount of money. He provides for his family. And this is what it's really about, right? So people are forgetting that at the end of the day, whatever business you own, whatever athlete you are, whatever you are, uh, we all need to live. We all got to pay food bills, rent, um, mortgages, and cars. And all this stuff can't be put on hold. It's all going to come back to bite us in the arse if we do. We still have to pay our bills. Now, for a fighter, it's no different. It's, oh, yeah, but he earns a ton of money. They're not Maybe getting unemployment checks. Yeah. 
Yeah, but NFL earn millions of dollars. But you know what else they have? Millions of expenses, millions in tax bills. All this stuff adds up because you've accumulated a certain way of life, right, prior to this. No one puts a pandemic in their business plan or life plan because, because it's never happened in my lifetime or your lifetime or our family's lifetime. So it's yeah. never been applicable, right? So it's not something you can prepare for. If you've got savings, that's fantastic. The savings don't last forever. And of course, you still have to regrow. And, and, and if fighters can stay busy and stay active, oh. then I'm all for it as long as they're in a healthy environment. Um, Bill, would you stop being there? I mean, it's a shame that smaller shows can't put on right now, but they need the financial support of the audience to pay the fighters or whatever. That's true Whereas too. UFC and Bellator are in a very unique <laughs> position where they have sponsorship, they have pay-per-view Paper. ratings, yes. they have already finance in the bank. They're not relying on, you know, the, the, the ticket sales participation. In yeah. Yeah, they want it, but they don't rely on it. And here's the thing that you can relate with sure. as well. You've been on the Ultimate Fighter. You you've been to Muay Thai shows. You you've seen what it's like to be in the octagon and the difference of it all. What is the difference if we have this pay per view and there's no one in the audience? What does it change for the fighters? Is it a different uh, anxiety that goes with it, or is it looser? Can you explain to our listeners what the difference that will bring? I don't I don't, I don't think there's any difference to be honest. Um, I don't think there's any difference at all. The preparations are the same. The walking out to the cage will be the same. When you get punched in the face, it's going to be the same. Whether there's 30,000 people <laughs> looking or no one looking, it's still going to hurt. If someone's going to break your arm or choke you out or knock you out, it's all going to be exactly the same. So that doesn't come into play. All that's going to be a little bit into play, you're going to find it with some of the more experienced guys, is that they can probably adapt a little bit to change. When you're young, um, and I've noticed from my own personal um, experience, when I was young and I had a, a structure of like what I did the day of the fight or the day before the fight, I had a structure of like, I did this, I do that, I do this, I do that. And if one thing was to be moved, I would overreact and go crazy. It's like that one thing was the- Your ritual. Uh, was gonna make my fight lose, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I think it's your place. When you get older, you realize, eh, it's not that important, you know what I mean? Like, as long as I'm calm and I'm relaxed and I can roll the punches and I'm, I'm focused for the fight, my preparation was good, my mental is on the fight, then you know the fight is going to be a great fight. And that's what happens when you get more experience. So you want to see the more experienced guys just roll with it. They're not going to take it. They uh, don't care if there's 30,000 people or no one. As long as I get my check and I win my fight, they don't need to give a monkey. But some of the younger guys, Maybe, maybe, and I'm not saying all of them, this is a maybe, it could be like a little like moving one of their puzzle pieces they're not used to, and you could see some more different jitters out there, some more mental issues out there, because a little bit's changed. So let me let me ask you this, James, because I feel like it's really important to, to say, since we're all really in isolation, and I, I've kind of talked about this with you early on on this podcast, but top three favorite fights for somebody, you know, even, even a diehard to go back and rewatch or, you know, a diehard to show their family since everyone's stuck at home. What would be like some fights that you would recommend them to go back and watch on UFC Fight Pass? What, 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 what would you recommend? And here's what I said, James. I mean, here's what I, I said. I uh, really quick. Here's what I said. You can't just watch one fight. I think it's better to watch the entire event because you get the building, you get, you get the build up, you get what's like in store, even though you weren't Building up to it weeks before, you can feel it more uh, with the event. What, what, what do you what do you say? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there was one in Montreal 
when uh, GSP for Carlos Condit. I was there live for that fight. It went five rounds. It was an absolute war. Carlos Condit made a head kick and almost knocked out GSP. GSP, it was an absolute war of fight. And then he twisted his ankle, the right? Event, the same event was JPS versus Kane, the second one. And they went five rounds, and that was a murderous fight as well. And um, and I was ringside of that because I was cornering um, Matt Riddle, who took a fight on a week's notice. Uh, in, in Montreal, we fought early in the card. He beat the guy. Um, he, uh, he stopped him in the second round, I think. I, I trained him and cornered him for the fight. He took on 10 days' notice. We flew out to Montreal. And um, yeah, that was an amazing event. A great fights. So that was a great fight card. Uh, if you can look that, that was probably around. Uh, 2013? So we're 2013. It was probably 2013, right, 2012. Yeah. The crowd like went nuts, right? They went nuts. Well, for... Easy to find it, right? Just put GSP Collins on and you'll see it. JDS came to you'll find oh it. God. And that was an amazing. Uh, that was. I, I remember watching that fight with uh, JDS uh, and Kane, and I was ringside and I heard the shots. And I said, this will never go another round. But the first round, it was so high paced. And I, I was blown away that it went five rounds. I couldn't believe the athleticism and the power of the punches that I heard on the skin, um, on their heads against the cage. JDS, I remember, was up against the cage, and Kane was beating him up on the cage. And he was doing this silly shoulder thing. He was trying to do something. It wasn't working for him. And Kane was hitting him so hard in the skull. And I heard, I heard it so bad. And I said to him, like, wow, I, 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 tomorrow I would not want that man's head. Yeah, because, it, it, uh, it, it was must like be, I must have rocked weeks, you know. It, and then of course the, G, the GSP fight and Carlos Condit was an absolute bonus of a fight. Carlos, I'm, I'm friends with both of them, and I trained with both of them, so I knew them both. I was I had uh, electric, you know, the whole way through the fight. My, my skin was crawling because uh, it was just such a skilled, high-rate energy performance. The crowd were going crazy because it was GSP. And then they were supporting Carlos because it was a back-and-forth war. And it was just amazing. It was a really amazing fight. Now, now, if I remember correctly, I don't want to ruin this for anybody. You know what? I'm not, I'm not even going to say it because I want people to actually watch that see what happens. But fight cards like that, I mean, to, to be ringside, James, that's historic. What other events have you been ringside that were like that? I mean, probably very few. You know what I mean? Like, those those are legends, and people yeah. forget. I mean, I've been to a lot of fights, of course, and I've seen thousands over the years, but, I mean, there's, there's only a few that really stand out in my mind. I mean, some low-level fights, not low-level, but lower shows that I've seen. I've been, like, some Thai boxing fights that I've seen that have been absolutely oh, wow. wars, yeah. and it's like, amazing, amazing. But if, you, if you're an enthusiast of the sport, you could appreciate for what it was. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I've seen it all over. Even in KSW in Poland, I saw some amazing fights. And some people have never heard of those guys from Poland, but they got some amazing shows, had some amazing fights. And the one always amazing doesn't have to be always the most like stylistically like, oh, they're the best superstars they've ever made. Yeah. But they put on a very exciting fight. It was either super aggressive or back and forth or whatever it may be. But you know what it did? It gave you entertainment. Like, you know, and and I love I love I'm a enthusiast of fighting and, and of the of the sport. So it's like you know, oh, before the fight, you always say to your mate, you nudge him and say, okay, ten dollars on this one. And he's like, okay, ten dollars the other one. And then of course it's like, oh, it's oh, 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 almost got it. And it almost got you back and forth about yeah. the ten dollars. Like it's not the money. It's just that you just want to have something over your friend, right? It's just a bit of fun. And when you get a fight like that that keeps you both on the edge of your seat, 
then that the, the fight did its job. And that's what the fans want to see. It doesn't have to always be. And that's what happens, I think, sometimes. Is some people get, like, the Mercedes uh, syndrome, I call it. Like, you always want to have the best Mercedes or something, or the Lamborghini or whatever. It, to, to see the best fight doesn't always have to be the best promotion. It depends what your class is a good fight. You, I've seen amazing fights in lower-level shows, and they're absolutely amazing. And it doesn't. And like I said, what does it class as amazing? Uh, an entertaining fight is what I class as amazing. People that have got hot. Like I've seen a guy get beat after two rounds, and you're like, referee, stop the fight. Zarina like, bars. Zarina bars. He got back, bars. To, the got back to the yeah. He got back to the corner, and he's all smashed the pig. You're like, oh, this is just terrible. And then, and then you come out to the third round, and the guy, the other guy is gassed, and the guy that's beaten up finishes the fight. You're like, wow, what a child, what a comeback. And then you appreciate the kid with a huge heart that took a beat and kept licking, you know what I mean? And kept coming. So that's 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 what I've enjoyed over the years of watching so many fights. It's not always about the most stylistically. It's more about enjoyment for me. And, and like, I like to see somebody give their all. And sometimes I think, I'm not saying everybody, but I don't know everybody, but sometimes I think some of the new fans, if you like, um, kind of follow the lead. It's like, who has the... Who, of course, yeah. You only support the best. Whoever won, whoever won the Super Bowl, you support football now. So, you know, American football now is seven. And like, oh, the, the Giants, well, I want to support the Giants. And, you know, oh, who's the champion of the UFC? Well, he's my favorite. He's my favorite. You know what I mean? And they follow the favorite. But you don't always have to be that way. And that's why I think over the years, if you are an enthusiast, you can look up some amazing fights. I mean, it's amazing fights in K1. That's why I like K1 back mm -hmm. in the day because in the 90s, you could pick out six or seven, Jerome LeBanner, Peter Arps, uh, you know, um, um, and, yeah, I'm sorry, excuse me, sorry, I'm go blank, Ernesto uh, Hoost. Uh, there was, you know, there was a list of like five or six guys that could beat each other on Ray Sefo. All these guys could beat each other on any given day. They could, could win the fight. And that's why boxing was so good in the 70s, because you had Muhammad Ali, Ken Norton, Joe Frazier. Then you had, you know... Um, um, big Larry Holmes, yeah, all these big guys, George Foreman, they all could win on any given day, you know, and, and that's why boxing was so exciting back then, and, and that's why I followed the track of the years, that I always look for just, I don't know, just a fight that's going to be entertaining, it doesn't, I, I'm not like, um, I don't need to support the best show in the world, I like to watch it, I like to see high level fight, fights, but then look at that, you see Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao, two of the very best boxers in the world and the fight was flat. I had people falling asleep at my pay-per-view party. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, then you have mm. people like go back again, right? Then you have um, um, Gatti versus Ward. Ward was on a huge losing streak and was making no money in, in the sport and then he gets picked to fight Gatti and that fight on paper should, not, should, should have been Gatti's fight, his comeback fight, you know, an easy walkthrough of a, a bit of a journey, man, if you know like and turned out to be an absolute trilogy of three of the best fights you ever see in your life um, and that's the that's the that's the enthusiast of the sport now a boxing guy that would want to see the top train probably wouldn't watch that gaffy fight because you're like, oh he's just fighting some you know some journey man i'm not watching that this should be over in a heartbeat and it wasn't and this is what's gone on for years hadler and hearns that was the same oh you know God. and it was it's a so you could list off so many of these fights you know that are absolutely fantastic but if you're I'm just trying to say to people that like don't get too caught up in the Premier League of a certain of a certain sport. 
There's lots of different leagues that you can watch fantastic fights around. There's loads on YouTube. There's loads in K1. There's loads in Muay Thai. There's loads in boxing. There's great wrestling matches. There's great jiu-jitsu matches. There's loads out there you can get involved in. You don't have to just sit around and wait for a UFC event to be a, uh, an MMA supporter. Now, James, I, I got to throw this out there because you got me all excited right now. And I, I feel like the excitement really comes from not watching live events right now. So, uh, Jarena Bars, I'm, 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 I guarantee you know who Jarena Bars is, obviously. Lion Fight, I've done a lot of coverage on Lion Fight, which is why I was laughing because uh, I, I, I would literally be three feet away from the ring and I'd be watching the fight behind me because you get a better view. Uh, Jarena Bars has been in so many fights where she gets this big gash on her face and she comes back and is able to protect that gash and win the fight. It's fights like that. It's like, wow, this is a real true champion. A lot of you guys may not know who Jarena Bars is, but she actually beat Chris Cyborg. And I, no slack on Chris Cyborg. She was trying to learn Muay Thai at the time. But but still, Jarena Bars had some brutal fights. I've met her. She's a sweetheart. And uh, she, well, she represents. She fought in line fights. Line fights. And um, I was back. I was actually there in Las Vegas. No way! No way! At the palace. because she's from Holland. She's from Amsterdam, correct? So I knew her from Holland. Yeah, from Holland, yeah. So I knew who she was, and of course everyone was saying, and I knew Cyborg too, because I trained with her, and I held pads for a little bit when she was in Phuket. Um, So she, I knew them both. So I was interested in the fight, and I was already in Las Vegas, so I was invited to come by Lion Fight, so I went down to watch the fight. And um, everyone had Jarena written off, because of course... Everyone was more apparent to who Cyborg was in the world. And Jarena only knew she was an A-class Muay Thai girl from Holland, which is extremely high level in, in Holland. So I said, no, you shouldn't write this girl off. Um, you know, they look completely different, but she's a tough girl. And yes, she did a good job. She out Muay Thai. Those uh, kicks. Cyborg. Cyborg Remember her long kicks? Fight. She said, hey, guys, listen, I'm a fighter. I just like to fight. Uh, I'm an MMA girl, but of course, this is Muay Thai, and I take a fight for a fight, and all the hats off to Jarena. So she gave her all the, you know, the acclimates that she deserved, and that's what I loved about Cyborg. She's very honorable in defeat and in victory. Oh and, my um, God, yeah. And, and an amazing superstar. She's a great fighter, and of course, unfortunately, there's a platform that's, um, that's why I say again, uh, some of the fans only follow the high-level stuff, so they don't know... They only know the top stars, you know. They don't know the up-and-comers or they don't know the background of other events and other fights. So they have a hard time with that, you know, in, in picking or appreciating a good fight when they see one. James, what, what, what are if there's one fight or, like, a moment in your career that you, you'd really push on people, like, if your grandson was like, Poppy, uh, I want to see a fight, what fight would you show your grandchild of yours? Of mine or... Of, of, of yours, yeah. Um, what would be your proudest moment in your career that you you'd love your grandchild to see? I mean, I, I don't know if I have a proudest moment in my career, to be honest. Um, Is it I, just I the fight, or does say. it I mean, come I've, with the whole build up to it? Yeah, I've had a lot of highs. I've had a lot of highs. I've had a lot of lows. Um, there's a lot of fights, but the one fight that sticks out particularly in my mind was when I fought Michael McDonald in the K1. Michael McDonald was the K1 champion of America. <laughs> yeah. um, I was meant to be fighting against um, uh, Merko Kokob. And um, Merko had fought, this was my, I was a young kid back then, I was like 23 or something years old, 24 years old. 
and I was just, you know, in in London, England. I wasn't on the world stage just yet with K1. I was trying to get in. I beat a few guys, but I wasn't beating the top ten. And then so I got allowed up to fight Mirko Coco in like four months' time. Mirko had a fight against Michael McDonald uh, a week after I got the contract to fight him in four months. And that was my real introduction to K1. I beat a guy called Takira, who was a Japanese K1 champion. But that was I beat him, which really introduced me like into the, getting to close to the top ten. So then they put me against Krokop, which was really feeding me to the Lions on paper. So my, my, Michael McDonald had a fight against Krokop. Well, shocked everybody. McDonald knocked him out really badly. And so then it was left McDonald to go on now. Now, what's going to happen with my fight? I can't fight Krokop because if I knock him out too, it doesn't give me no structure, right? So then, of course, they were looking for an event. So they found an event in London. They put me and McDonald together. K1 funded it. And they put K1 in a cage. And I fought on a big show called Cage Rage back in the day, which was an Cage MMA Rage. show. Yeah. Lot of good guys. Um, you know, a lot of good guys. Anderson Silva fought for Cage Rage. Um, Lee Murray fought for Cage Rage. Like, a lot oh, of good wow. guys. Cyborg. A lot of good guys. A lot of good guys went through the realms of fighting for Cage Rage before they went to UFC. Did you meet him, so James? I don't mean to interrupt. Did you meet Lee Murray? Did you ever Lee meet Murray's Lee? A very good friend of mine. I've known Lee for nearly 25 years. Really? really? I'm very good friends with his brother and I'm very good friends with his family. I've known Lee for a very long time. We're very close friends. I, n- I never knew that. I'm finding out a lot about you on this episode. I feel like our listeners are too. Uh, go, go on with it. Sorry, I didn't mean to in- in- interrupt that, but that, that was yeah. big for- I got to fight Michael McDonald, and of course, everyone had ripped me off, right? Because no one ever heard of me. And I remember the mental pressure I had before that fight being a young kid, fighting the K1 champion of America, who just won K1 Las Vegas. And then, of course, he just beat one of the top guys in the world, Mirko Krokop, easily. So I got to fight him in London Wembley Arena, and I beat him up really bad. I knocked him down twice in the first round. I beat him up in the second, and of course, I finished him one on decision. But um, just... It was just one of my, it was kind of the first big stepping stone that really put me into a high limelight and put me in the top 10 in K1. And then, of course, being a young kid fighting a very veteran like that and getting all this negative people telling me, I'm, there was a poll, 97% said I was going to get murdered in the first round. Which says a lot so, about what we were just yeah, talking so about. You can watch the fight on YouTube and you'll hear the commentary people tell it. And they all say, yeah, this is a, almost like a walk in the park for Michael. They were pre, he's this. They just spoke about Michael the whole way before the fight. They spoke about him all during the fight. Even when I beat him up and knocked him down, they were giving him props. Like, oh, well, he's getting up. And this is a veteran, what veterans do. Like, they weren't giving me no accolades for doing what I was doing at all. But then, of course, after the fight, they had to, you know, give me some accolades. But, um, yeah, it, it was just very monitored around him being, you know, the champion. So it was a it was a big uh, emotional, you know, heart test for me. So that was one of my first fights that I would say that was a big stepping stone. It took me out from the normal realm into more of an elite realm. Now let me let me ask you this because I think this is another good thing for people that are in quarantine right now. MMA documentaries, MMA movies. What would you recommend for people out there that you know are, are getting bored right now? They've watched this. They've watched. That what what would you recommend? Because they they are making uh, the smashing machines uh, with with the rock. Uh, they're making the actual movie on on, on Kerr. So what what would you recommend? Did you recommend I'm that? Probably, I'm, I'm, 
probably the wrong person to ask. I don't watch none of that shit. You know, yeah, at the end okay. of the day, I mean, everyone's got a story. There's no cricket. I've watched documentaries, right? And I, and I, and I enjoy it and I read it, whatever. And at the end of the day, if you want to watch it, watch it. Like, there's kind of a very, has documentaries. I have never seen it. There's a lot of documentaries out there that I've seen and I haven't seen. But, you know, I, I think during this time, if you want to watch, get involved in learning, um, you know, watch some fights. If that's what you want to watch, you know, appreciate the fights. And if you if you are in quarantine, you're bored. You know what you should be doing? Read a book, learn a language. Oh, you know, learn God. about nutrition, learn about health. Spend time with your family. Get creative. You know, go and do something to better yourself. So when you get out of this situation, we've actually learned something about you know being in this situation. I think it'd be disastrous uh, to come out of, of this quarantine after you know X amount of months which has never happened in the last hundred years for anybody, and you haven't bettered yourself as a person in the 1%, do you know? Now, James, I, so I'm reading right now The Book of Five Rings. Are you familiar with that book? I haven't, no. The Book of Five Rings. Uh, it, it's, it's a graphic novel, and I just started reading it because Joe Rogan recommended it. What, what, what book would you recommend? This has to do with martial arts, and uh, about life oh. and what what, what kind mean, of book would you recommend? Reading, at the moment, right now, I'm reading about business. I'm reading about okay. uh, production of business and in the gym environment. And there's one called the Seven Figure Gym. So I'm reading about that right now. I've almost finished it. I've read three books during this time. Um, so um, I, I don't know. I just everyone has a different taste. I just think that just, 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 whatever they said, you've always said you wanted to do right. Like if you wanted to learn a language. Now there's things out there you can learn language in four Oh, weeks. yeah, yeah. Invest in yourself. If, if you feel that like, you've got a business, but let's say me, I'm a gym owner, right? So I want to learn more about the gym industry. I want to try to learn more of the backgrounds. Um, so I spend my time studying that. But I don't know, maybe you have a coffee shop. I don't know, spend the time reading about coffee beans, reading about something that you've got to pay off in the long run. Um, I mean, like even my daughter, um, she's only seven years old, so we just invested and got a, a new reading directory to help her read. She already can read and she can already can write, but right now she's doing all the school work, but we've got a whole reading thing for her that says guaranteed to read like this in four weeks. Whatever it may be, just try to do what you need to do, you know, whatever makes you happy. If there's things in life that you're stressed out, I don't know, try yoga. If there's things in life that you haven't, you know, if you haven't done before, now's the time, give it a go. You know, if you're usually at work in your businessman or whatever, you don't have time with your family, guess what? Spend time with your family. Do the things that you're not used to be able to do because this is once in a lifetime. This this should hopefully never happen again, hopefully. It hasn't happened in the last hundred years or whatever. So hopefully we never get to see this again in our lifetime or our children's lifetime. Now, so take a moment of it. Now, James, I, I want you to kind of do a hand-me-down here because the thing that I'm most excited about, it's getting a little warm here in Connecticut, and I'm about to open up the pool. So I, I remember you telling me about yeah. GSP. I think it was GSP that was obsessed with training in the pool. Will it be some good exercises for me or our listeners if they're opening up their pool to get in shape? What were you guys doing back then? Or what, what do you remember from that time? Well, I've, I've worked on, on doing pool time down at Albuquerque when I first started doing pool work. But I've also spent some time, I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with military over the years. Um, doing hand-to-hand -hand combat, I've done some weapon disarmament and stuff like that with military guys. I've gone and done seminars at different military bases. Um, I got to work with some Navy SEALs, which was fantastic. Wow. And to be honest, I really learned 
or call up with them. And of course, Navy SEALs are some of the most fantastic guys in water, right? So I really learned a lot of stuff with them about what they do to withdraw breath. And the stuff that I do in water is more about, um, we've all seen normal stuff like they throw a brick at the bottom of the water and you go and get it, bring it back up, whatever. But what I tend to learn to do to breathe is more about my breathing. I really want to learn to use energy in the water and control my breathing in water. So therefore, like swimming, for example, I'm not trying to swim like an Olympic swimmer, but I'll tell myself I'll do X amount of lengths, but during that time, I'm going to focus on my breath. When I come up to my stroke, I breathe through my nose, and underwater, I'm going to breathe out. Breathe through, through my nose, and I breathe out. And I get my stroke, and I learn that. So when I'm doing exercise like fighting or training, I'm learning to control my oxygen in and my oxygen out. I'm not pushing my breath out. I just release my breath. So therefore, I'm getting pure oxygen and best. Uh, so what you can do in water really is really learn to you lose your lungs. But to be honest, I mean, like swimming is an, is an amazing workout, right? It's a full body workout. Um, a, right now, if you jump in the water, it's been a little bit fresh, so the water's a little bit cold. So that's even better for your immune system because you're going to spike your immune system to get fresh oxygen to your blood to warm yourself up. Um, you're going to do lengths and whatever you may do. Whatever you do, is don't push yourself too crazy, but give yourself an objective when you get in the water. If you want to play some games, yeah, yeah drop some, especially with the kids. I do that with oh. my daughter all the time. I've done it with her since she was a kid. She's learned she swims since she was three years old. Like, I'll throw the things into the water. Like, I'll throw a certain amount of money or I'll throw something in the water. She dives down and gets it and brings it back. She goes back and get, brings it back or whatever. She loves it. It keeps her entertained. She, you know, gives an objective to do. And also, she's learned to swim and breathe underwater. It's fantastic for her and it wears her out. So all these little things you can do, right? Like, hold on to the, the float board and kick your feet. You know, then put your between your legs and just use your arms, kick. And there's loads of workouts you can do in the water. Um, it's it's amazing, but you know, just just go and find out and figure out what fits best for you and your family. Now, what what are you eating uh, right now? Because I, I feel like I've been ordering a lot of food out, but uh, you know, spending a lot of money. But I, I want to know what like you're eating right now. Like, uh, what are you doing to stay in shape? Has anything changed? I'd probably suggest to stop eating out. Because look at it this way, right? Um, let's say a fast food restaurant. Let's say a burger. I'm not going to name any names, right? But let's say a fast food chain burger restaurant. Now, they're only doing dry, dry foods, right? So they've lost 65% of their income. Now, but they didn't know this was coming. So they ordered their food in weekly increments or two-weekly increments because it's frozen, right? It could be three-weekly increments. So therefore, first of all, there's no one inside the kitchen to monitor the health of the kitchen because the public is not in there. That's true. Right? Yeah. Then there's the staff. They're not always going to be the cleanest because they're serving you their food, right? Do you know, because you're in the drive-thru, whether they put gloves on or not? Yeah. Or yeah. if they're handing your food correctly? No, you don't. Right? And then also, the second thing in place here is now, are you eating fresh food? Because the food has been sitting there. They've ordered all this big bulk of food. You have no idea. Yeah. Sell it give out 40% of 100% order, so therefore you could be getting expired meat, you could be expired cheese and bread, and all these things that could be expired, the oil could be old, and you're not going through, so therefore the health, what happens when you have a bad meal? What do you do? It either gives you the, the shits, right, or you throw up because of food poisoning. <laughs> have you ever what dealt with that, James? Shitting? Have you ever got food poisoning? Or? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> That's the worst. I lived in Thailand, I lived in Thailand, I had food poisoning, oh. So what I'm saying is, what that do to your immune system, right? It locks your immune system down to the ground. You've got to build yourself back up, right? And that's right now. Do you need a, do you need a weak immune system? No, you want a strong immune system. Where do you get a strong immune system from? You get it from vegetables, fresh fruit, 
fresh meats. You're going to get it from this caliber of foods. Now is definitely not a time when you should be ordering out. This is the time. I can't say, okay, let's, um, you know, keep our local businesses healthy. Well, do you know what? McDonald's and Burger King and Kentucky Fried Chicken and Pizza Hut are not a local business. I don't need They're any of those. Yeah, business. yeah. You see what I'm saying? We don't have yeah. to keep them afloat, do we? Right? If the local Italian down the street, the family-run Italian, you know he's got fresh bread. You know he's doing the fresh olives. He's getting the fresh chicken. He's doing it all. Because he, he's a family-run restaurant. They take pride in their work. It's not a fast food chain. Yeah, go once a week. Go and support him. Go and get a, a spaghetti alfredo. I don't know. Go and get what you want. You know it's fresh. But nine times out of ten right now, you should be eating at home. Yeah. Eating well, at home well, and eating as fresh as possible. Well, For me, I'm right now, I'm gateway. I'm, I've been trying to get a little bit bigger. Uh, my last fight was a tournament, so I lost a little bit of weight because I had to fight multiple times in one night. Now I'm back up to 260. So I've been gaining weight. I'm on 8,000 calories a day. I've eaten a lot of food. But my food is all fresh. You know, I'm eating pancakes fresh in the morning. I'm eating honey. <laughs> I'm getting fresh fruit. All my kale, my spinach, my berries, my smoothies. Uh, everything's fresh. You know, I'm trying to eat as fresh as I possibly can. And I'm treating this time as a time that I can really self-improve. Not just what I, I teach or what I learn, but also what I put in my body. Because right now I don't have the temptation of, oh, you know what, let's just go and get a, a bit of Thai food off, or let's just go and get a fast soup, or let's just go and get this, or let's just go and get that. It's all closed. It's all an effort to go and get it. It's no longer convenient. What is convenient? Going home and eating a nice food, that's convenient, right? I feel like and this cheaper. is really important for families coming together as well. I, I feel like back in the day, like I'd hear my grand, my grandfather or my father talk about, you know, sitting at the table and eating. And I, I, I feel like it's really important right now uh, that a, a lot of people are doing that. Have, have you been seeing that uh, for your family or other families or around you just coming together? Unfortunately, I have breakfast with my family every day. And sometimes if I'm teaching at night, I don't get to have dinner with them. Um, but then I make, make the extra effort on certain days or weekends to always have dinner time. But yeah, right now, I mean, it's really nice because we get to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner together. And, you know, we always ask each other, how was your day? What was the best part of your day? What was the worst it's part important. of your day? You know, just finding out, especially my daughter, she's only young, so we want to find out things that make her happy, things that make her sad. You know, and the thing is, for kids, it's, it, this is a, a very confusing, scary time, right? Um, All yeah, they're hearing yeah. is this big virus. and. And listen to everything. And the fact of the matter is, wherever it, listen, everyone has an, a, a, a certain uh, ability to say what they feel, right, which is fine. But at the end of the day, my job as a parent is to make my daughter not feel the stress of life until she's old enough to feel the stress of life. So for me, if I can protect her, I can. I limit what I talk about. I don't have the news on in my house. don't watch the news. It's never good news. It's always bad news, right? I don't watch that shit. So... Everything I need to know, I've got my resources to find myself. So for myself, I always want to find out what makes my daughter happy, what makes her sad. I don't want to talk about a big virus because in her little mind, a virus or like this is like uh, or lockdown. It could be it's traumatic. She's on a cartoon. It's yeah. like zombies outside walking around. You know, it's, so it's a very scary thing. They upset their sleep. It gives them all kind of, you know, and what we don't want our children to have ever is at this time being scarred or fearful. So it's not my job to... Uh, no, of course not. Well, this is my daughter, but I don't think graphic. No. And, that's, and that's the bottom line. So I'm trying to be as protected as I can and enjoy family time. I don't want her to see this time as a negative. So I, I suggest that everyone, I'm sure everyone's already doing this. I won't tell everyone how to, you know, hold an egg or nothing. Um, but 
it's just spend this time being as positive around your family as you possibly can because it doesn't matter. This is what we've got to try and stress everyone. I get people call me all the time. They always say to me, what do you think about this? I watched this interview and I watched this doctor say this and I watched Trump say that and I watched this. At the end of the day, you can watch all the shit you want to watch. It ain't changing nothing. Your opinion, my opinion, ain't going to change nothing. We've all got to do as we're told, follow suit, and of course, there's a freedom of speech. But you know something? There was always, I don't know, there's always a, a freedom of something, but right now you're being told what to do, right? Where's the freedom in that? I'm being told I can't run my business. That's not freedom to me. You know, I'm being told I can't, my daughter can't go to school. That's not freedom. I'm being told I should be eating this and I shouldn't be eating that. So at the end of the day, I just accept what it is. I'm going to move on. I'm going to get out of this like everyone else as best I possibly can and as healthy as I possibly can. Yeah, and all these talks of vaccines and all this stuff, I'm not getting, I won't need no vaccine, I'm not taking no vaccine. They ain't putting a chip in me or a chip in my family. That's <laughs> the one thing I can guarantee. Now, James. The rest of it is going to be left down to God. Now, as an, as an MMA podcast, I really want to talk about this before we end it off. Um, there's, there's tons of fighters out there that own gyms that are, are wondering when we're going to be able to get back to normal. What's going through your head right now? When do you think it's going to get back to normal? What, like You're the leader of the gym, so like, what are you doing to keep everybody in check and keep everyone sane? Uh, like, what, what do you think is going to go on? What, do you think we're going to get back to normal uh, in the next six months? What, what are you thinking? Or do you have to pay rent still? Like, It's got to be stressful. It depends on what your class is normal. Um, when will the gyms be open? I mean, every state is going to stipulate a different time. Um, and every governor is going to say his state, what he suggests is best for their state. On my side, I mean, I think we'll be open by late May. Okay. But I think we'll be open with some guidelines of restriction on how many people can come in the building, maybe a no-touch policy. So no grappling, no jiu-jitsu, no wrestling. Um, I think that we'll be able to provide a service, but we must show our cleaning mechanism. We must be able to but have a protocol of what we clean, how many people we let in, when we let them in. There'll be some protocols, right, which we're happy to do. But I think there's also going to be some people that are going to um, – I know already there's gyms. I've had two different gyms contact me or my gym and ask if they can rent space because they lost their gym. Oh, wow. Oh, so wow. So no already. And that's just what they've lost. That's people coming out publicly. And there's a lot of places that have lost that haven't come out publicly. Now, this timing for me personally – was probably the, if this was ever going to happen, I hope this comes out right. If this was ever going to happen, I opened my gym mid January. We closed in March. If it was ever going to happen, I'm glad it happened early because I still had a lot of the startup money that I started with. Therefore, I continued paying my staff. I continued moving forward. I had a membership base in place. I had these things protocol in place. So all I've done with my time is stuff that I usually have time for, like online coaching, setting up uh, striking systems, all this stuff that I've been saying for years I need to get around and do. Um, that's what I've been doing, it's filming and getting all the stuff I can. So therefore, it's give me another avenue to get out there and do the stuff I need to do. But unfortunately, no matter what people may say, there's going to be restaurants that are never going to make it. There's going to be other businesses that I'm going to pull through. I mean, who's sitting around on, 50, 60 grand in savings to keep their business alive. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 not, it's, many. not many. And there's only so much funding the banks have given out, and there's only so much they can give, and there's only so much of this, and there's so much of that. And already I know, you know, this is gonna, there's going to be ripples in the economy to a degree. Um, I mean, I, it's funny because you're hearing people like, 
actually, I'm not going to say his name because um, it seems to be uh, when people are labeling and putting things out there that Instagram is getting, their accounts are getting shut down on YouTube and Instagram and stuff like this. So we can't go down those roads. We're not yeah. that foolish. But we all know who we're talking about, right? There's people out there that are limited what people are listening to. If they're getting too many followers, they're shutting them down, they're boycotting them off Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. They're all getting shut down. So the fact of the matter is, it, why is that all happening? I mean, that's all happening because there's there's something around this stuff. And, and the fact of the matter is, the only people that are always going to pay are us. We're the taxpayers. We're not getting nothing for free, right? Those stimulus checks weren't free. That's our taxpayers' money. That's what, that's our money, right? You know, you're not getting your mortgage put on hold. They're going to have to make you pay that on the month three and four when you go back. There's all this stuff. Nothing's free, right, in life. Nothing. So there is going to be ripples, I believe. But how bad are the ripples going to be? Are we going to be able to bounce back? I'm sure we can. We're very, you know, that's why humans are where we are in, in the world. Is that we, we bounce back, right? We survive. And so, everyone's going through it. Yeah, I mean, it's easy for us to sit back and say, for us, the gym, the gym, the gym, the gym. And I think sometimes... Um, and not athletes, but people in the gym world sometimes, like, because because training is so much important part of their life, like it's their therapy, it becomes the most, you know, and I'm, I'm the same, I need to train every day, but, yeah. you know, um, I'm lucky to have that outlet, and if I don't, it starts to affect me mentally and physically and everything else, and, you know, I'm, I'm talking about myself here as well, I'm not pointing the finger, that does happen, but you do see people get a little bit selfish sometimes, we are a little bit selfish, we do say me, 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 me a little bit, and there is a bigger picture right now. And at the end of the day, all the moaning about it, the bitching about it, is not going to change a single thing. Whatever's meant to happen, and the government sets to happen, is going to happen. Whether your Facebook works, your Instagram works, whatever works, guess, guess what's going to happen? My opinion, it works. Nothing. Yours, nothing. Whatever's set to happen is going to happen. The only person who has a, uh, um, a power over this will be God. And that's who I believe in. I don't believe in anyone else apart from him. He's always done me good in my life, and he's always done my family good, and that's going to do me good. And that's all I believe in. That's what I do. I don't know about anything else. I just believe in that. James, I love the attitude. I love the mindset that you're in. But we got to end this on something I'm really interested to hear from you as a fighter. Uh, we, we both heard that UFC is going to be having the event with Tony versus Justin Gaethje. So what 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 would be your prediction for that now that we have, you know, they're they're really not training as much. We we saw Tony make weight and, and this and that and you know, what are we going to see? What do you, what do you think is going to happen in that fight? You don't, you don't know they're What's, not training. I'm in Denver right now, so I know Justin's training, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I know he's training and I know um uh, and they're, they're both training, right? This, this, this is cut to the chase. They're both training. Um, my opinion on the fight, I don't know. I like them both. But I do think that the veteran is going to take control here. I do think that if it gets, it depends on what the fight strategy may be. If Justin comes out there and tries to present a fight, then I think he has a problem. Um, but if he comes out there and, and plays a technical game, um, he's a very smart kid. Um, use could prevail, but I'm just I, in my mind. I don't know why I'm, I'm going the other way. I've just gone the other way from the start. I always just think that 
this fight is going to be um, a little bit too much for him. I feel like he learned a lot from the Eddie Alvarez fight. And we saw that on this season, Ultimate Fighter, just how he came off after Rip. I mean, I've been at a lot of Justin's fights, cage side, and I've seen the evolution. But it seems like he gets himself in a little bit trouble. But now it seems like he's evolving. But at the same time, Tony Ferguson, he's been there. He's he's dealt with, you know, go back and look at the uh, Showtime versus Tony fight. Go back and look at the, I mean, we, we can go down the list yeah, of, of Tony's yeah. fights where he's been in trouble and comes back. And, uh... Yeah, but Ferguson is, is a veteran, and he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. Uh, he's just shown signs of improvement, almost like the Randy Couture. If you like, you know, he's blossomed at a later age, and, and that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing him making fights happen the way he wants them to happen. He's taking fights to realms where he's he likes that that realm, that blood, that bloody, gory, you know, slug out war. Every one of his opponents are smashed to pieces after his fights. And and it's not by chance. It's not because he's just a good striker. It's because he makes the fight go to the realm where he wants it to go, and that's his that that's his key to, to his to his golden socket. And that's really what it boils down to. Right? That's the treasure chest, and, and that's what a lot of people forget. He controls the fight. I've only ever seen that with with him and GSP. GSP made very good guys look basic, and it wasn't because he was so special. He is special, but what was really special about him wasn't his shots, it wasn't his striking, it was it was he put the fight in a realm where he wanted to go, where he could shine. And where he would shine is when he took the opponent's um, uh, tools away. He made them look very simplistic, and he would beat them over and over again. And I see that in a different world. GSP was more of a technical guy, in a fact of like he would finish fights more on decisions. But with... with um, you know, with Ferguson, it's a little bit different. He's a bit more of a brawler. He likes to fight, right? He's a he, he's got a smash in the pieces. A bit more aggressive than GSP, but they have a very similar trait in the fact that they control where the fight goes. So he, here's the other thing with it: if it was Habib versus Tony, now what do you think would happen? If it was the fight we <laughs> were originally set up with, how would it go now? My initial reaction was Khabib was going to win that fight until I saw the interview. Until I saw the interview. And then I, my, chain, my mind changed for some reason. I went towards um, Tony. Um, Expl- explain. Well, to when I saw them talking, Tony was very, the way Tony is, he's very in your face, he's very direct, he was very much. And I, and, and, and I saw him say to the crowd, I'm in his head, guys. Do you see that? Do you think I'm in his head? They went side cheering and in Khabib's head. And I saw Khabib look to his person and then look back. And when I saw him do that, I thought, yes, you're in his head. That's right. Because he looks for help. He looked for someone to verify something or tell him something. He didn't know what to say or to do. And his body structure went completely different. And I thought, wow, Tony, that was a very good mind game. He wasn't expecting that. And he played a very good mind game there. I put them very even in the fact that they're both super good in their realms. But don't get me wrong, just because Khabib landed a couple of strikes against Connor, don't mean he's a striker by no means, right? We all know he's a grappler, that's it. Ferguson is all round, a very athletic striker. He's got good wrestling, takedown, defense, and he's good control on the ground, and he knows how to use the fight, and he's got a lot of experience. And I think that fight, he's not fearful of Khabib. Khabib is a superstar, and he's a great fighter, but he's a superstar. Because of the, the Connor controversy, he would have got on the Khabib train. I'm not on that train. I look at completely different, and I look at the abilities. Anyone can win a fight. Don't get me wrong. My, my opinion is Tony wins that fight. 
So last question I have for you. Was it a smart idea for Habib to drop out of this fight because of everything going on? Like, you want to be 100. You don't need all these things going on. What would you do if Habib was your fighter? Would you would you have done the same thing as as, as the coach? Or what would you have done? Because but, 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 but people focus it. They're both in the same position. They both come in the training camp. It was no different. But Ferguson was mentally strong enough to take the fight. He was mentally strong enough to agree and move on to the fight. Even continue um, to make so weight. So, you know, yeah, but uh, he wasn't he wasn't struggling. So he didn't he didn't say anything different. He was just happy to move forward to the fight. That's a great fight for Ferguson, a lot of risk for him too. But he wasn't. That's why I said the mental game was broken because uh, Khabib was nervous. He wanted the very best, the very best to go into that fight, which shows a sign of nerves. If you're as good as you said you were, you could beat him in a street fight. I'll take you out there right now. I'll do this. I'll do that. Then you know what? Then fight me anywhere, anyhow, anyway. But then you didn't back it up by putting it out by saying, yeah, well, I can't put in the trade because of this, this, and this. Well, okay, maybe it wouldn't have been. But you know what? As it happens, the show wasn't going to go on anyway, right? It was pulled anyway. All you did was expose yourself as being a little bit weaker towards the situation, which goes back to yet again why I said the mental game wasn't quite there. James, I want to thank you so much. This was such an exciting episode. There's a lot of people out there that have been waiting to hear from a fighter standpoint about all these different topics that we've brought up. And I think we nailed every single one between recommending fights to watch and just situations that you've been in and even what we were supposed to see but didn't and your opinion on that. So I can't wait to see what happens next with you. Like, what's your plan moving forward with fights? I mean, I know that last episode we talked about the fight it got called off. What if you could? Uh, where, where's your head at? What, what's your plan? Borders in limbo right now. So for myself, yeah. I'm just working on bettering myself. I'm working on doing the things I wanted to do to improve my game. Weaknesses, strengths. I'm working on being healthy. I'm being there for my friends, my followers. I'm just looking. I'm just looking at it as you know what. I'm not getting frustrated. Don't get frustrated about a fight got postponed. Guess what? Ain't my first fight to be postponed or cancelled. It is what it is, and you know what? It'll come back up later in the year when we can do it. In the meantime, it's giving me more time to prepare. What I'm not doing is using this time to go and sit on the couch, eat junk, and not train. Uh, my life, I train every day anyway, and I want to involve. And whether I have a fight or not, I don't have a fight. I'm going to get better, and that's what I'm doing anyway. So right now, I'm not in training camp yet. I'm sparring with Alistair Overeem and Curtis Blades right now. So I mean, look, look at take that for example. Oh my God, I'm jealous. I'm jealous, champ. I'm jealous. Uh, Another thing I want to ask you before we go, uh, you brought up the pancake thing. You you have a pancake problem, James, and this is an intervention right now. I mean, (laughs) you're all about those pancakes. What uh, what what kind of pancakes are you all about? I have pancakes, but I kind of need it right because I'm trying. I'm trying to get a little bit weight and be heavier. My first morning training session. I just find myself, I was eating oatmeal all the time, but 20 minutes later, I was hungry again. Whereas pancakes, I can eat them, and then I feel they hours until I get hungry again. But right now, like I said, I'm so hungry all the time. I'm training really well, and I'm, I'm getting a little bit bigger, so my body's craving more food, and I'm healthy, so I'm just eating while I can. I've got no restrictions, so it's good. Now, in England, you guys don't have pancakes. Uh, Michael Bisbing talked about this. You guys don't have pancakes over in England, correct? Well, you can have them, but they're just different. They're like, um, but we're called crepes. Like you guys call them crepes. Oh, my thin. God. You wouldn't have crepes. 
you would have, have it for breakfast. They're like, we have a called a pancake day, which is just like the bank holiday time, but it's very thin. It's like, a, it's called like a crepe, really. But, but they're, they're pancakes and all. I, I tried one of those at Disney World, the best thing I ever ate in my life. It, they kind of wrap it like a taco, thin layer, absolutely That's delicious. Right. They put like onion or syrup or chocolate sauce or yes. sprinkling with uh, sugar or whatever. Ice but it's from France, right? Richie, that's what they're called, crepes, right? But it's okay. Well, guys, listen, I have to check out. But um, yet again, thank you so much. And as always, for everyone checking in. And um, we'll see you on the next episode. All right, James, I'll talk to you in a little bit. God bless. Thank you so much. And have fun in Colorado. I'll check in with you soon. God bless, everybody. There you guys go. Gloves off. Another episode in the books. I'm Eve Letty from Pure Evil MMA. That was James McSween, the Ultimate Fighter Season 10. First pick, Team Rashad. Go back and watch that. I mean, if you guys have Ultimate Fighter, or I mean Ultimate Fighter, if you guys have USC Fight Pass, go watch Ultimate Fighter Season 10. Still the number one season in history for views at the time. And Rashad Evans versus Rampage. How can we forget that rivalry? Brandon Schaub, Roy Nelson, Big Brown, Brandon Schaub on that season, what he's been able to do. He was uh, Kimbo Slice on that season. Uh, Big Baby on that season. I mean, it just, I want to go back. I've been trying to actually show my girlfriend who actually ran away. I don't know if you guys have been hearing, but there's rat fights going on here. I got to check out. Thank you guys so much for tuning into another episode of Gloves Off. I'm Evil Eddie. Remember, without evil, there's no purity. White knuckles to the end. Behave yourselves. 